you're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. My name is Ali Salama and I am so happy and excited because today we are releasing one guest that is historic in Egypt's communication landscape. We're talking about the woman that runs Gary Vaynerchuk's PR. We're also talking about the woman responsible for the largest IPO in Egypt's history. Maha Abu Lanin is someone I feel so grateful to call a friend, a mentor, and a beautiful human being. She's one of the most experienced and connected communication specialists in the Middle East with more than 22 years of experience advising global corporate giants, high growth tech startups, and top governments and high net worth individuals. She has a reputation for delivering results and ability to manage projects from inception to execution with creative, strategic, and analytical drive. Raised and educated in the USA to Egyptian parents, she is home in both the West and Arab world. Maha is all about relationships, building them, nurturing them, and serving them. She thrives on storytelling, building scalable campaigns, and thought leadership. Maha is calm in crisis and loves to lead and train teams. She specialized in helping big tech companies launch in the Middle East market, from Google, Netflix, to Audacity, and more. Again, she's working with the serial entrepreneur and digital guru and five times New York Times bestselling author, Gary V. She has media trained several Fortune 500 CEOs and high profile executives from Google, Microsoft, YouTube, MasterCards, Netflix, amongst many more. Guys, I can talk about Maha for ages. She's the founder of Organizational Consultants. She has her own podcast, Digital and Savvy. It's also a communications blog about communications in the Middle East. Maha is the former head of communications for Google in the Middle East and North Africa. She holds a master's degree in communications from Minnesota State University and has an undergraduate degree in international business and marketing with a minor in French. Guys, I think I, uh, I think my throat hurts. Maha, this is insane. I can't even say your bio in one go. Um, Thank you so much, guys. And by the way, quick shout out to Ash. His music is on Spotify. It's Daydream that we're listening to right now. Great friend of mine. Please support him. And if you haven't given this show a rating and a review on Apple, what are you waiting for? Let's go. This show needs to be number one and we can do it together. So let's go. Just as Maha says, Ali, you built the right team. Because the right team is the one that executes the mission that goes on to make great things happen. And guys, this is Mahabul Anin, exclusively on Empathy Always Wins. Mahabul, thank you so much for coming on Empathy Always Wins. Um, I, 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 I just can't start to elaborate how many people have asked me, Ali, you need Maha on the show. She is an Egyptian woman that you need to have an Egyptian important voice. Who is Maha? Like, like I am so intrigued to learn a little bit more about how you started. Um, what was what was behind the, the, the Maha Geber that is the like the, the Maha Bulanin that is the brand like right now? You're so sweet. First of all, I'm so excited to be on your show. I love the name of the show, Empathy Always Wins because we always forget to inject empathy in our lives. And I think even especially with COVID, 
We think a lot about how to share more, show more empathy for people. So first of all, I am born and raised in Minnesota. I'm 100% Egyptian. Um, moved back to Egypt in 97. And I had just basically started my real, my real communications career started when I was in Egypt. Um, I worked for Nagib Sawiris. I built Weber Shanwick in the Middle East. Ended up working with Google and Netflix and wow. Kitty, all these tech companies. But really at the heart of kind of my story is kind of a lot about my upbringing. Like I come from a family of educators, really yeah. influenced by my dad. Um, my mom uh, had multiple sclerosis. And so she oh. was handicapped for most of her life. And so that gave me a lot of empathy and patience and understanding on how to take care of people. So that's a big part of the nature of my story and who I am. But I'm really lucky. I, um, I'm a huge lover of news. I'm a huge consumer of information. <laughs> and I was really fascinated when I was young in high school yeah. um, about how news was made and how stories were told. And I always, as a little girl, was like, I want to be a reporter reporting live from Cairo, from the pyramids. I grew up watching Dan Rather on CBS Evening News. Wow. And so that was like, I kind of got that whole tick in my body about like news and information and telling stories and I interned in college for a CBS affiliate in Minnesota, wow. and it was fascinating to be in the newsroom to see how information came into the newsroom before it went out to the public. And so that thrill of like getting a story, crafting it, writing it, and then sharing it and broadcasting the world was how I really got the bug in, in communications. Mm. You mentioned a little bit about your background, Yani, what you've done in the professional world, um, as an Egyptian origin woman is 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 quite remarkable, Yani. Let me really just dive in the deep end and I'm sorry that we're just gonna dive there, but so, did you face any sort of identity struggle, like some, no, I wouldn't say backlash, but so like, you're a woman, come on, gawesti, ma gawestish. You know what I mean? Like, all women <laughs> listening to me right now are like, oh, I know that. But it's like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no question. Like, uh, I'm working and I'm a female and I was a head of a company. And like, it, it, it definitely was something that was part of the society. Like, I, I was engaged um, in, oh, I can't even remember what year it was, but when I was in Egypt, I was engaged to an Egyptian. And it just like, like it, it didn't work out. I didn't yeah. want to go with it. And I thought, well, when the time is right, then I'll find the right person. And, mm -hmm. and that's basically Nasibi. So I would just keep being productive and keep working. And just the more I enjoy what I do and, and spend time doing what makes me happy, I think that attracts more, more good things into my life. Yeah, no, and this is, this is the right mindset. I think that uh, what I'm trying to get here is you've overcome a pressure that a lot of people don't really manage to overcome. And that's just the reality of that. The reality of that is like a lot of women, um, yeah, and yeah, it's safe to say this, like I've, you know, 90% of my 60, whatever thousand are women and all in my DMs, the biggest number one mental health challenge is relationships. And IE, yeah. it's toxic because there's this pressure, there's this pressure of wanting to be in one because, well, you know, all this like, it's like almost a something, when I, the woman I'm talking to right now is 
a perfect, you know, of course, no one's perfect, but it's like, is a whole confident woman. That notion doesn't really come in the perspective of fathers that don't have their daughters in that box, which have literally broken by just speaking out loud. My parents never put that pressure on me. They never talked to me about that. Like, but everyone else around me did. Like my aunt. My other family members, uh, my my dad, you know, lived in the States for about 40 years. So he didn't, he wasn't of that mentality where he felt like a woman for her to be successful and to be complete, she had to be married. Like she could have her own satisfactions and her own, you know, things that made her happy. And, you know, obviously they want me to not be alone and they want me to be with someone, but they, they was never, it was never like a pressure of like, if you don't do this, your life isn't. You know, we don't. You're not whole. You. You're not complete. You're not whole. Yeah. It was never That's, a conversation. Yeah. I, I never had a conversation with my parents about that. Wow, wow. I think that uh, your dad definitely needs a, a standing ovation, not just mm-hmm. a round of applause. I think that the, there's a lot of work to be done, and when we come to, because I, I do think that what you've managed, of course, to overcome, uh, maybe to you right now it's second nature, but to people it's a, uh, it's like bigger. It's hard. Than the, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, I do talk to a lot of females in the Middle East who face that, where they're they're wondering, like, their parents just don't want them to pursue a startup or to pursue a career because they want them to get married and start a family. Well, you yeah. can do both. You can do all of those things. Um, I remember a story, one of my really good friends, and she started a business and her, she wanted to quit school to, to start her business. And her parents were like, no, you can't, you have to at least finish your education. You know, they had, the parents had a plan. They had to get the education then they had to get married. Then they could, you know, get a job to sustain themselves. But I mean, times have changed. I mean, that's what we've Absolutely. seen with the, with the way that we are living today and everything is evolving. And so many female founders in the Middle East, so many companies mm-hmm. that are run by women. And it just shows that, you know, like 50% of coders in the Middle East are women, which is huge. Absolutely. I mean, let's take it to another perspective right now. I mean, you've built uh, a lot of credibility over the years. And um, perhaps let's dive into the leadership element of Maha. Yani, what are key, let's speak to the women out there that, that really, really, really want to step into that Zorro circle of being that leader. And they definitely have that capability of, of doing so. What, what are some hurdles that you have managed to overcome or how do you set the boundary very well so that you are able to really excel and deliver despite that disparity of being a woman? Like uh, uh, the perceived, the perceived disparity. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean to... Yeah, yeah, no, it's always always been it's always been a challenge. So the first thing is just you have to have the confidence. You have to have the confidence to believe that you own a seat at that table and that you should be. So in order to have that confidence, you kind of got to know your stuff, right? So I don't walk into situations where I don't I don't know my stuff. Like I do my homework. I find out how I can add value. I find out what do they what do they want to know. Then I find out what they need to know. So Absolutely. really focusing. And if you're going to be in a situation where you want to be providing leadership or you want to be adding value and you want to be creating value, you really need to do your homework first. You need to understand what it is that you can do to bring something to the table that's different than what everyone else is doing. The second thing is, and I just talked a little bit about like this confidence thing, like 
you know, feeling secure about what you're talking about and really not feeling shy to speak up and not feeling shy to like say your opinion. There are no right or wrong answers. It's just a matter of what your take is on something. And you could put it in that context and that framework when you're trying to get an idea across. And then I think in terms of leadership, the reason why um, I get the attention of these leaders or I'm able to work with all these successful people, it's because I really focus on what value am I bringing to the table? Like, am I adding value to this relationship? How am I creating value for the person in front of me? What am I doing to enhance both A and B? Really not thinking about what's in it for me, but really finding out what's important to them and then doing that. Yeah. From your experience in, you know, I know you're very, I know you were in Dubai not too long ago and you you often are between sort of North America and the Middle East. What's one thing you really wish that leaders or I wouldn't say leaders as in governmentally, but like entrepreneurs, let's put it that way. Entrepreneurs that have important leadership uh, positions and have some sort of drive within shaping the economies and, 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 and really impacting the culture. What's one thing that you see that you like in the, in, in, in the, in the U.S. or in North America that uh, you would perhaps love to see? Or let's switch it up. What's one thing that you perhaps love in the Middle East that you'd like to see in the States? I'm, I, what I'm trying to get towards is the cultural context of leadership. How is that different? Um, okay, so a couple of things come to mind. First is boundaries. So in the U.S., I feel like there's a lot of boundaries between work life and home life. And that's like a very distinct thing in the Middle East. Kulam habba, you know, we're always know. what's up, huh? yeah. what's up, always like, <laughs> business on what's up. Yeah, yeah, you're always in touch. Like that, you can get a phone call like at ten o'clock at night. Um, like where there are people like you know, everyone has phones now, but before no one would call your phone at home <laughs> at night. It was in Egypt; it would happen a lot. Like people would just call yeah. your number and all this kind of stuff. So I think that's the first thing is the bound. The the U.S. is very strict about the boundaries and like weekends and nights and in the Middle East it's mm. like very much the culture is like you know very together <laughs> um, the thing that I love about the Middle East culture and the thing that I love about Middle East culture is just the warmth and the generosity of the people and like how everybody asks about your family first um, when you do business with someone it's not a business relationship it's a personal relationship and that is something that I value so much about the Middle East so all business is personal and, and your relationships, like every time, like now I'm a little bit back between Dubai and, and, and the States. Every time I go back, I feel so much love and I feel so much um, like I really built a good life and good relationships in those 23 years that I spent in the region. And that's forever. Like that's, yeah. that's one of the things about being in the Middle East is that sense of culture, the sense of family, the sense of belonging, the sense of, uh, you know, yeah. um, that is so unique to the Middle East. That is yeah. not something that you find in the U.S. at all. Yeah. Hospitality is, is incredibly huge. I mean, like, you know, I think a big part of what I believe Dubai has built, you know, in terms of the reputation is, is via the hospital, the warmth of, you know, I think that, uh, there's something around, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of Paolo Coelho, The Alchemist and, and, and that book. And, you know, it's through others' lenses. I think it's very, very interesting to hear you say this. You know, I feel this, but also a Brazilian also wrote about this. And I think that it's so, so, so important that um, 
يعني it stands out. Now I think that maybe one last thing I want to touch upon is your notion of empathy. I mean, I, I kind of like to touch that. Yeah, I touch on that with few guests because I'm not here to say empathy always. I'm here to negotiate. What is tactical empathy? What does empathy mean to you? Does it is it really something you 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 value in your in your life? Is it important to have empathy in, 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 as a business as a very you know you know I, I don't want to name name names but like names that we all know like are they empathetic? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we never used to have conversations about empathy in business. It was always part of your personal life. And now <laughs> empathy is one of the core components of leadership. It's one of the core components of dealing with people in a business, of culture, of building interpersonal relationships. Empathy is probably one of the most important things a leader or an employee needs to succeed in their job and actually in their life. And we never had that conversation before. Um, and I'm so glad that that term and that feeling and that idea is something that has now become mainstream in business. Um, you think a lot about some of the most world's most unique leaders are very, very high on and, and index high on, on projecting and sharing and preaching about empathy. And when you think about employees and everybody's different and you have to cater to all the different styles of all the different people on your team, some people have different motivating factors. Some people have different drivers. Some people are just more introverted and some people need more help, like deploying empathy to understand like what they're feeling or how they're thinking about things or, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff happening with racial inequality and understanding like what our actions and our words are actually creating for the other side of the person. Like it's just, it's so, so important. And I'm so glad that it's part of a mainstream of the conversation, especially in business. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, when I personally started, it's funny because uh, I never had the intention of, you know, starting it through a business lens. I mean, I started it because it was the only way to talk to business leaders through a, a non-mental health, scary, like itsy bitsy scope. And slowly but surely, like when I ask those questions and I get those replies and someone comes up to me and tells me, well, empathy and, and sales and emotional intelligence. And I'm like, aha, uh-huh. now my back started scratching and I started to be like, hmm, you know, that makes sense. How many, you know, I, it's so, so, so interesting how a lot of people view one word Uh, from very different perspectives, yet we, we we go around in circles over the same thing. When you care for people, uh, people care care for yeah. you, and, and that has no price. That has no price at all. And I think that whether it's in business or in life, uh, you want to associate yourself with people you can trust. Yeah. I think that's the biggest component. And I think that, you know, uh, circulating back to what you're saying, it's 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 very 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 important. I mean, um, one thing I want to perhaps dive into is how do you select the right team? Like, I think that you're someone who's dealt with so many people, so many people. How do you go with your gut? Is there something? Is there, like, what's your fact check? Like, I mean, that's a that's a that's a selfish question. I'm building empower now, and <laughs> kind of uh, envy you in the sense that you have like a, a bit of a leg there, but. How, what, what can we learn about, about building true effective um, and lasting teams? Well, there's a couple of things to do, a couple of things to think about when looking for team members. So you're not just, um, sorry, there's a train going by. Okay. I'm going to wait It's for okay. finish and then we'll answer that question. Sure. Can you take a quick picture while we're doing it since we have a pot? 
Oh, that's so cool. All right. Wait. Very cute. Um, sorry, there's like a I love train. this. I love this conversation. Yeah, me too. Really uh, I want the video when we're done. Um, All right. <laughs> okay, so what were we talking about? We're talking about hiring. We're talking about teams, teams, yeah, yeah. teams, teams. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. really, yeah, I know. I just, just wait wanna, for the train to finish I, going by. We have some like 10 minutes and I, I really am genuinely... I'm so curious to see when you come here. I, I know. Are you you're in Dubai or in Egypt? So and I've been in Dubai or Toronto. In the And the thing is, for Dubai, and I'd let you out of Dubai. Oh, where do you live? I live in Murdoch. Oh well. Yeah. I lived in the Greens. I used to. The Greens. Oh, okay. Ah, it's, it's it's not that far. Dubai. Not that. Far. It's thirty minutes to Dubai. Okay. Okay, we're almost done. Um, you know, I went to school for Dubai, my high school here, but then I got to Farida Osman. Yeah. So I know I know I know Farida Omna Mabat, Rabbina Mabat. No way. So yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got Nadi Gzira or Farida uh yeah, I mean Kulla Dol uh yeah. I was gonna ask so you what I, were those I, I I I swam for Al Nasr here. I got signed to Al Nasr. You did? Uh, in my high school. What's yeah. your you freestyle backstroke? No fly. Fly. Fly free. Oh wow. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, but it's just amazing because it's super like the undulation. It's it's art. But I really didn't like swimming. I was just something really good at, and it made me super confident growing up. And uh, I didn't to Canada. I got really messed up like mentally, and then I was like, "Wow, it's my break the silence." A lot of people like it went viral, and I was like, "Is there no about mental health?" And I was studying entrepreneurship. So Omar was Omar. in the same class. Omar, oh, so Omar is a really good friend. Me and him were in the same class. Really? Program. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, so I, I did that and I, I started like really sort of taking the customer journey map, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I ended up, I was healing at the time. Uh, anyways, long story short, I went to Empower, I went to Harvard, I built the Nasser Loza World Health Organization. He got me a meeting there and everything kicked off. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. It's still going. You can't you can't hear it? No, I can't hear it. Like Okay, it's done. Okay, it's done. Perfect. Let's go. Um Okay, so so to answer your question on skills and looking for team members, I think one of the things you need to look for, wait, start over. Ask me the question again. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit envious on how you have sort of an advantage of choosing the right team members because I'm I'm building empower. The biggest issue, I think, the biggest challenge that young people have when they're put in situations, how do you build the right cuz teams make or break your business. How do you build the your right business, team? Your business your business is all about the people, right? Absolutely. Because those are the ones that create the culture, interact with your clients. They actually are sort of brand ambassadors for you and your reputation. So you get to really be selective in, in getting the right team member. So there's a couple of things to look for. One is you're not just hiring on skill. So you do need to make sure that they have the right skills, but don't just hire on skill. The first thing I look for is chemistry fit with the other team members. 
cultural fit with the other team members. And then you want to look for people that really kind of believe in you and your mission, because people that are going to be your ride or dies are people that really care about what you're trying to achieve. They're emotionally attached to the task at hand. They believe in, you know, and are passionate about communications like I am. So you always want to look at for things besides obviously the skill Things like cultural fit, look like chemistry fit with other team members, look for, you know, their passion into their project, like what kind of other things are they interested in? When I was at Google, they used to interview, they did an interview process to test your googliness. And I'm like, what's your googliness? Like, they're like, how googly are you? And I'm like, what does that mean? It means like, do you have other interests outside of work? Like, are you just interested in coming to do this job or do you have other things? Like, do you play guitar? Do you have a YouTube channel? Do you like to cook? (laughs) Do you have any special hobbies? Because they want you to be a well-rounded person. They want you to bring your whole self to work, not just the skills part of the job. So they look for people who have really diverse backgrounds and interests that can help complement their thinking and what they're exposed to. So um, external focused stimulus really helps figure out what kind of stuff that you impacted impacts you and brings you like to your, to the, to the work and to the work job that you're doing. Yeah. No, what you're saying actually really strikes a chord. As I said, Yanni, off the record, I was at CMHA uh, delivering a keynote on resilience. And this is literally, literally like, Word for word, what we said, it was just the more you have things outside of work, the more that you are healthier, the more that you can have different uh, modes of, I wouldn't say escape, but you have different modalities that you can tap into different parts different of your mind. Stimulus. It's Absolutely. different stimulus. It's different stimulus that comes to you, Ryan. Like we're like I, last night messing around on Clubhouse, kind of figure out how that works and yeah. like, you know, talking about sports cards or talking about fashion or whatever, just like finding other interests that help stimulate your thinking, broaden your horizons, expose you to new ideas, help you create new relationships. That's so, so, so important when you're coming into a job. Mm-hmm. Maha, thank you so much. I felt thank like you. this was such I, an incredible- so much fun. Yeah, this I'm so happy incredible. to see you. And I'm so proud of you. Like Aww. young, you know, <laughs> articulate, got a podcast, talking about empathy. Well, you're like, a podcast you're awesome. too. I'm not special. You have a podcast too. You're articulate. You're so established. You and, a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so I, really, I, I really, really, really appreciate your time on, on, on a serious note. Like you're someone that I, I really look up to. And uh, I think any, any Egyptian um, is very proud to have a representative like yourself doing the work that you're doing. It's, it's just not, not my tongue. Like I can speak, you know, uh, every friend that has recommended you on the show. Uh, I knew I was coming in for a treat and, 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 and I, I had just, you really, 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 really are you. And I think that this is the message of the show. The show is just be yourself. And, and that's, that's the best thing you can be. And I'm so proud to be Egyptian. I make sure whenever I go, wherever I go, that people know that I am so proud to be Egyptian and to be from Egypt and uh, can't wait to see you very soon. Yalla, inshallah. When you're in Dubai, please let me know, okay? I will. I'll be back in April. Uh, I'll be here. I'll be here. Okay. okay. okay I'll see you. Thank bye you. Bye. <laughs> bye. Guys, I am so awkward. I don't even know how to end a conversation. Maha, what a chat, what a chat. Um, it's funny because as I listen to this, as I'm re-sort of editing, I edit my own show. And um, 
yeah don't have a team yet guys it's uh, part of the process right you have to just do everything until you can afford to have that editor anyways long story <laughs> long story short maha this was great great guys did you enjoy it um just as you're driving as you're listening to us um what has been the one thing that sort of uh made the most sense out of what Maha said or related to you the most. That's one thing I urge everyone to take away uh, as we're listening to this, uh, you know, episode. One thing I also want to ask you is, what do you guys think about when you think of communications, um, when you think of empathy, when you think of leading, when you think of the boundaries that you're setting? It's, it's, it's quite a thing that we're going to be discussing quite shortly on Clubhouse. I hope Maha joins us as well. I, I'm very confident and she will be very soon. But I just want to say thank you for taking time to listening to me. I think I do get annoying after a little bit of time. I, I speak quite fast and I don't know how to slow down, guys. I really don't know how to slow down. And it's just getting busier and busier. And my heart rate, I think, is getting a little bit higher. But if you're listening, let's take a deep breath. I just downloaded Calm and Headspace the other day. I was trying them out to see what type of you know meditation apps are out there. Turns out that there is Nafas as well. So get Nafas. Follow them, download them. Safe happens to be a good friend of mine as well. Um, it's only an Arabic meditation app. So if you want to hear some beautiful sounds in Arabic, I mean, beautiful guided meditations. I don't know why I say beautiful sounds in Arabic. This just sounds very... Ah, Anyways, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Mahabul Anain, what a genius. What a genius. Thank you so much for your time. Stay tuned because we are releasing an episode a week. And um, I can't wait. Next week, we have Google's head of brand and reputation. You might be thinking, how the hell do these people come out with those crazy guy like you on Empathy Always Wins? Well, guess what? Authenticity always wins, guys, when you're yourself. I mean, look, I'm having fun and I'm just spending time here with you guys. So once again, I don't take this for granted. You guys are awesome. Uh, make sure to follow me on Ali Salama at Instagram. And make sure to follow us in Clubhouse too, because guys, we're about to cook something special. All right, I'll leave you on that note. And I hope you guys know that truly, 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 I mean it with all my heart, in life and in business, you know, authenticity, empathy, your own voice, owning your sound, owning your own calling, that, I swear to God, it always, it always wins.